for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you've stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review about your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by giving online at believerschurch.tv. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We're located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I want to. I want you guys, because one thing that I'm trying to start doing today as we start to look into our core values within our vision is to really narrow down what it means to live this life, to kind of get rid of all the noise and all of the distractions and all of the things, and I'm not even talking about cultural distractions and things outside of the church, but I'm talking about within the church. Because I want you to consider with me one very hard and startling truth, all right, that we really need to think about. It's very possible. It's very possible to attend church your entire life, try to be a good person, try to do good things for other people, you know, listen to a few church podcasts a week or, or, or read a short devotion and still completely miss what it is that Jesus wants to do with humanity. It is very possible to be involved in religious activities or things that are directed toward justice and good for others all of which are important, but to completely miss what Jesus wants to do with humanity. And I really don't want you to miss that. And I want you to understand also that this is not by my definition or by my way of seeing it, and and you will see that very soon. In my mind, I try to register these important events in order. First, early in the Gospels, Jesus is baptized. Next, Jesus spends the next 40 days fasting in the wilderness, trying to discern what his public ministry is supposed to look like. And then third, Jesus goes to Capernaum after John the Baptist is arrested. All right, that's a short timeline of what you see early in the Gospels. On an ordinary day, he first approaches two brothers that are fishermen, just an everyday trade uh, during this uh, period of time in first century Middle Eastern world. Their names, as some of you know, are Peter, Simon Peter, and Andrew, two working class Jewish men. You know, nothing special. But then Jesus tells them on that day something very significant, it's very different, that has never been said in this way. This is going to turn into a command for any person that calls themselves, you know, whatever description you want to use, Christian, follower of Jesus, believer, however you want to say it. He says this, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. That's kind of weird. Follow me, 
I will show you how to fish for people. All right, that's going to seem that's going to seem very confusing. It's hard to understand, but what Jesus is literally saying whenever he says follow me is go with me. Allow me to guide you. Don't believe in me from a distance, which is the comfortable thing to do and what a lot of people who go to church or don't go to church do. Don't believe in me from a distance. This is your invitation to come close. Last week, we identified our mission statement to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. Followers. So whenever Jesus gives this command, there are three important things that are going on here. The disciples are being called to follow Jesus. All right, that's, that's pretty obvious. They're being called to follow Jesus the same way today that you and I are being called to follow Jesus, not to be part of a religious service, not to try to be a good person, but at the bare bones, the skeleton of what Christianity is, is follow me. Now, what they are following involves a teacher-student relationship. And this is something that we often miss. We think, well, when we follow Jesus, that means we go to we follow him right into church. Or whenever we follow Jesus, that means that we just have to be full of good deeds for other people. Whenever we follow Jesus, we're supposed to vote this way. Whenever we follow Jesus, we're supposed to do this or that. So there's this dynamic that's a little bit difficult for us, us to understand in society today of a teacher-student relationship. And then the students who are learning under the teacher are then supposed to become teachers and create more students. All right, so this is the basis of the formula and what it's supposed to look like. So when you take into consideration the function of any given church at any given time, are these really the priorities that are focused on? So, how do we help broken people, our mission statement, become devoted followers of Jesus? Well, then we talked about a vision, a future focus, a desired outcome, and what we want to see and we want, what we want people to see within us, and this is a vision. We create environments, plural, where the kingdom of God, this reality of heaven on earth, is both visible so that other people can truly see it and also contagious. So whenever we talk about this environment, we're not necessarily talking about a Sunday morning live stream. We're talking about building this teacher-student relationship we're talking about the work that we do among the least of these. We're talking about the fellowship that we have among one another and the love that we pour out despite the fact that the majority of the world doesn't see things the same way that you see things. You see, one of the greatest problems among many that we often have in the church is that we never hang out with people unless they're exactly like us. 
They go to church like us. They vote like us. They're interested in sports. They're interested in all the same things that we are. But the concept of the outsider, the concept of something very you know, different, is very uncomfortable for us. This is the antithesis of the teachings that Jesus has here. So how do we create these environments where the kingdom of God is visible, but also something that other people would want to be part of? Last week, again in week one, we identified four core values. And we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about these four core values, what is going to shape us and mold us into the future. So these four core values are as follows. Formation, community, servanthood, and multiplication. Community, uh, Formation, community, servanthood, and multiplication. So the third thing that Jesus commands, making students that we talked about just a little while, making students, eventually becoming a teacher and making your own students, that's something that we're actually going to talk about in core value four, which is multiplication. All right, but these first two that we just identified with following Jesus in a student-teacher relationship, this is what we're actually going to look at today, and this is known as spiritual formation or to become students of Jesus. The primary and first responsibility if we are ever going to show people the kingdom of God, if we are ever going to create these kinds of environments, is that we need to understand what it means to become a student of Jesus in an apprentice apprenticeship relationship opposed to what it means to be a fully functioning church member or church person. So again, we talked about the fact that this is going to involve us deconstructing a lot of what we see, but are we truly students of Jesus? Okay, so this method of teacher-student relationship would have been very common in the first century. All right, It was common, a common practice in the ancient world and still within Judaism for a rabbi to take a student, or to take a series of students. So please understand that Jesus, as creative as he was, Jesus did not create this, this model. All right, Jesus did not create this typology. Jesus was a product and a student of his environment, the humanity side. So Jesus is simply taking this kingdom wisdom, this kingdom knowledge, and he is applying it to other people similar to the way that he was taught whenever he was young. All right, so this application, this apprenticeship, usually what it involves, even in, like a, in, in a secular sense, are two things. Classroom learning and hands-on learning. Consider if you are learning how to work with leather or if you are going to be a shoemaker and you are working in an apprenticeship, all right? There's the book learning, or what you're going to learn through being told, 
And then you have the hands-on experience. You have the, okay, I've taught you a certain amount of stuff. Now it's time for you to go out and do this yourself. You see, we never think about this as followers of Jesus. Sometimes we think about the classroom learning, and that's what this is. And sometimes we think about the classroom, classroom learning when we think about a women's study group or getting students together for student ministry. We're putting all this knowledge up here. But the application part of the apprenticeship, we never fully really live out, most of the time because we don't have a full understanding of the spiritual disciplines, which is something that we'll talk about and look at today. So this is the problem, and this is where the church is today, and this is why we see what we see, and why so many people reject what they see. This is the problem. Over time, not overnight, just over time, we have, a, we have greatly abandoned this teacher-student relationship for, in exchange, watching a speaker on a stage. What we're doing right now. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If there was anything wrong with it, we wouldn't be doing it. And even in the ancient times, Jesus taught in the synagogues. But our experience of a relationship with Jesus... Our experience of following, our experience of what it means to really fully live into this deep humanity, this experience that we're supposed to have, has turned into really nothing more than a weekend experience. You get dressed, you go to church, you leave after church and you say, you know what, that was a really, really good sermon. Or that was a really, really bad sermon. Or hopefully you don't say that very often, all right? Or, or the, the, the worship music, it was great today. And then as we go through the week, we might kind of, we might tag on a daily devotion that in America we call quiet time. Or we might tag on a podcast that we listen to whenever it comes out. But this formation, this teacher-student relationship really feels like too Eastern for us. All right, it doesn't feel like something that we're supposed to be taking part in. But this is really our first call, and it's why it's our first core value. It is our calling as believers. So we've abandoned this student-teacher relationship for watching a speaker on a stage or living out like this isolated, superficial faith. That's where the church is today, for the most part. Some people are really doing it right, and they're really doing it well. But for the most part, we base everything around what we do through the, on the weekend, going to church. That's where we get, this is what we like to call it, that's where we get fed. All right, that's what we call it. And then through the week, we might have a little devotion, we might listen to a little bit of worship music. But as far as get, the Spirit of God getting deep inside of what we are, it's not really there. So formation has one focus, and it's this focus right here. Follow me. Follow me. Let me guide you. Get to know me. Come close. Enter into the greatest form of intimacy that you can possibly imagine. So the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that ever lived, he said this to the church in Philippi, verses uh, 4 through 9, uh, Chapter 4, verse 9 in Philippians. Keep on doing 
the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Keep on doing those things. I am teaching you what it means daily, not from speaking in front of you like to a crowd, but individual to individual or individual to small group relationship, instilling values and disciplines within you that you carry every single time you sit down at a table. Every single time that person cuts you off in traffic. Every single time that coworker just really ticks you off. Every time you see you start to scroll through social media and you see these political posts and you're just like, why do I even continue to look at this? And then you start to think about how you need to respond. I want to rid you of those things. You need to practice these things. You need to keep learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He goes further when he's talking to Timothy, his uh, young apprentice, one of his disciples. And he says this in Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.15, Practice these things. What I have taught you, what I have instilled in you. I didn't take the time to, to plan a big Sunday morning worship service. I didn't use all of my time throughout the week preparing for a sermon or preparing for a set list or making sure the lights were right and everything was perfect. No, I have spent my time investing in you. And that is exactly what every single individual that calls himself a follower of Jesus in here right now is supposed to do. This is how you spend your time, investing in other people. So you saw that situation in which that woman cursed me out because she's part of one of these first century mystery cults and she hated what I had to say. And you saw me, instead of cursing her back, handle it with grace and forgive her in the moment. Practice these things. They don't believe the exact same way that you do. You want to judge, you want to gossip, you want to criticize. Watch, Timothy, watch how I did this. Watch how I handled this. Practice these things. It's the exact same thing that Jesus is instilling in the disciples because they are watching things. They're thinking, how in the world did he do that? What is he talking about when he says, turn the other cheek? Why is it in these moments of glorification when he's healed all these people and really they just want to hoist him up on their shoulders and everybody talk about how wonderful he is, why is it that he wants to sneak away and get in quiet with the Father? Practice these things. Why is it that he wants to instill prayer and a certain kind of prayer into our lives? Why is it that he is constantly quoting the Torah or the Old Testament? Why is it that he is all why is he approaching this woman at the well that has slept with all these people? Practice these things. And he goes on to say in the other passage that the peace of God is going to be with you. And speaking of our vision uh, statement that we made that to, for people to see us create an environment where the kingdom of God is visible and contagious. This passage right here says, so that your progress can be visible to all. Well, if we are creating environments where the kingdom of God is contagious, is visible, this is what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to show this progress, this love for others, 
this grace that we continue to extend, this practice of reconciliation and forgiveness, us reaching across to people that have less than us, people that are in a different political party than us, people who would curse us to our face. How in the world did Cody Honeycutt handle that? How in the world did Corey do that? She should have ripped that person up one side and down the other. And she is forgiving them in the moment. Something is different here. It's because of the practice of spiritual formation. It's because you're allowing the Spirit into the deepest parts of you. Now, you're going to find that these core values, they overlap. Formation, community, servanthood, multiplication. They overlap. I'm going to be saying a lot of the same things, but, but I want to talk about how formation today is going to be interwoven into what we do. So if we, if we say it's a core value, that doesn't mean we hang it on a wall and say it's important. It means that we show you guys through application how we use it and how we're going to do it, okay? So the first thing that we're going to work on as a church is that we will teach the disciplines. And when I talk about the disciplines, I'm talking about what is referred to as the spiritual disciplines. You may have never heard that expression before. And that is okay, because some of you already practice the spiritual disciplines every single day. Okay, so we're going to teach the spiritual disciplines that Jesus himself practiced. This will be teaching from stage, like what we're doing, and what Jesus would have done on the mountain, or what Jesus would have done to the crowd, we will teach these spiritual disciplines, but we will also have the opportunity within our community groups that we'll be talking about more next week whenever we specifically talk about community. We are going to instill, now it's your choice, of course, but we desire to instill these spiritual disciplines within your heart and within your life. So what are the spiritual disciplines? What are they? I'll just name a few. Scripture reading, all right? And it wouldn't have been scripture reading in Jesus' time for the majority of people because they couldn't read. All right, it would have been uh, scripture listening. But what many of them did, including Jesus, was they had a very good memory. Right? So when you see Jesus and you see others, now Paul was very educated. When you see a lot of these individuals quoting scripture, it's because they memorized the Torah. All right, or, or, or what we're referring to as the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament. So scripture reading, prayer. Now, this is the thing. In the Western church, what you guys are used to, and by Western church, I mean Western hemisphere, this part of the year, this, uh, this part of the world, this is usually where we stop. All right? So what is it that you were told whenever you were growing up or, or maybe recently, or maybe if you didn't grow up in church, you never heard this. If you want to hear from God, read the Bible. And then if you want to talk back to God, pray. All right, I, I agree with that. And I'm completely for that. And when we look at Scripture reading and prayer, I probably would consider these to be the two most important spiritual disciplines. But let's just be really honest. A lot of these other ones, they freak us out. All right? they, they, don't even, they seem so foreign to us that we can't even begin uh, to take them in. So we're not just talking about Scripture reading and prayer. We're talking about fasting, which is a really tough one for me. We're talking about giving. We're talking about worship. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about hospitality. We're talking about serving. We're talking about silence and solitude. Some of you are like, oh, you got me there. All right, silence and solitude. What in the world are you talking about? In our fast-paced society, in which we always have to be talking, always have to have our phone, 
always have to be... Matt, are you a Buddhist? Are you a Buddhist or something? What are you talking about with silence and solitude? Or what about practicing Sabbath or Shabbat? What about in our world that is constantly going and going and going and going, taking a 24-hour period of time and resting? I mean like really resting. I don't mean sitting on your couch all day and watching Netflix. That's not really what I mean by resting. All right, But what I mean is you are taking your mind off of your work because God initiated into creation. There's a rhythm to creation. There's a rhythm to creation, and within that is rest. Some of you, whenever you think about rest, those of you that are a lot like me, like workaholics, got to go, 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 got to do, do, do. You find your value not really in who you are, but what you do. Really, really hard to put that phone down. It's really, really hard to step away from your work and believe that the world can continue to go on. All right, so this is what we're talking about whenever we're talking about the spiritual disciplines. And there are many more that we could actually talk about. So this is what we're going to do, and this is how this is practically going to be applied. Every spring and fall, we will have what we call a spring practice, and we will have what we call a fall practice. All right, so what this means is that we're going to take four weeks, maybe ten weeks, depending on the particular topic, and we are going to spend some time in a series, just like we're in right now, and we are going to take one of these spiritual disciplines, and we are going to completely take it apart, and we are going to look at it, and we are going to talk about how Jesus did it, and how we can apply these specifically to our lives. In fact, in the spring, right after Easter, our first spring practice is going to be Scripture. So we're going to talk about Scripture for six weeks. How is it that we approach the Bible? Why is the Bible important in today's world? What is the, why is the Bible so controversial? And you guys know it's very, very controversial, especially in a 21st century context. You know, I have questions all the time from people who have attended church their entire lives. Say, I don't understand the Bible. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know what it's saying to me. I don't know how God is speaking to me through it. So we're going to take six weeks just to look at Scripture reading. And then in the fall, we're going to look at hospitality. We're going to take six weeks and we're going to look at hospitality. And this is going to be tough for a lot of us because you know what hospitality literally means in Greek? Love for the foreigner. Care for the alien. Love for the stranger. All right, for the person that we don't understand. So how is it as Jesus dines with sinners? How is it that we reach across the table with people that we don't understand or people we don't like or people we don't agree with or people we're just afraid of because they're different from us? And how do we truly practice this form of love and this form of servanthood? The goal will be to teach what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the in-class part, and then how to apply these things to our lives as followers of Jesus. So the second part is we will use real-world application. All right, we really want you to understand not just words on a screen. 
Not just a podcast that you listen to or, or maybe recommend to someone else. But how is it that we take these teachings and radically transform our region through the way of Jesus? So that people are saying more about you than so-and-so goes to church. Well, so-and-so is religious. Well, make sure that you're really careful before you say this in front of her because she's this way. What does it truly mean to apply the teachings of Jesus in our lives? Dallard Willard said it this way, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. All right, I think a lot of times we make the mistake of thinking, okay, if we lived in the first century world of Jesus, what would that look like? But the real question is, if Jesus were here today, how would he live? You see, it's not enough for us to talk about living the way Jesus lived. We want to provide you with the tools to carry this out in your day-to-day -day life. How would the world that you live in look different if Jesus was here? He, how would Jesus be if he had your job? How would Jesus be and interact if he had your family, if he were you? How would Jesus be if he were in your geographical location? You see, we often think about Jesus in the context of his world in the first century, but not in the context of our world in the 21st century. How would Jesus respond and post on social media? That, that's as far as I'll go with that one today. What would Jesus' screen time look like? You guys ever check your screen time? Mine comes out on Sundays. It's always very embarrassing. I saw mine in my office. Some of you know, this, is how, this is how often you're on your phone. And it will tell you how often you're on Facebook, how often you're on Instagram, how often you're on whatever sites that you may be on. What would Jesus do if he encountered the homeless person in downtown Johnson City? How would Jesus respond to a presidential election? I went there. How would Jesus respond? Where would Jesus be spending time during this pandemic? Where would he be? This is the world of who would Jesus be if he were you? If he were here in the 21st century today, these are the kind of questions that we really need to think about. These are the kind of things that we need to talk about. You see, there's a zillion things that I could be up here talking. I could talk about how wonderful our fellowship event right down the road is going to be that's going to change the lives of no one. Or we could really get down to the bare bone reality. Otherwise, our mission statement a vision. Guys, it's just words on a wall. It's just a statement that makes us feel good about ourselves. It's something that someone like me tries to memorize so that whenever I'm at a conference rubbing elbows about how big your church is and how big your church is, I can kind of talk about this is what our church is about while thinking in my mind, we don't actually do it. This is the real stuff. So then lastly, we will constantly pray, and this is the most important part, for Holy Spirit transformation. Please understand this. Becoming a disciple of Jesus, 
is about being transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's not about being a better person. It's not about self-improvement. It's not about behavior modification. There are so many people that I talk to, and they will say, my husband used to be abusive, and he was mean, and he was always angry, but now he started going to church, and we've got the kids in church, and they've been in church for a few weeks, and, he, and he's just a better person. All right, now, that may be true, but I'd like to add something else to that. That's temporary. That is temporary. It is transformation of all of the broken pieces that are within you. You know, I'd love to know at 39 years old, I'd love to know why I'm still such a people pleaser. I, and, and this is really my journey in, in, in 2021, if you just want to know my personal journey, to try to get below the iceberg at all these, this craziness within my own head and why I am the way that I am. Because I don't need behavior modification. I don't need self-help psychology to become better. I need the spiritual disciplines deep within me. And I'll tell you the thing that I've learned the most through about myself in the last few months, silence and solitude. Because when you practice that discipline and you get away and you get alone with who you really are, there is some very, very ugly stuff that you have to deal with. Did you know that in the Bible, whenever Jesus talks about being transformed, the Greek word is metamorphi. It comes from metamorphosis. So think about the caterpillar and how different the caterpillar looks whenever it transforms into a butterfly. You see, you're not supposed to look like six months, eight months down the road, a better-looking caterpillar. You're supposed to look like a butterfly. That's the kind of transformation. Have you ever been around somebody just so full of Jesus? You just you can't even contain being around them. It's like they used to care about these things and they just don't care about them anymore. And they used to practice these things all the time and now they can't even be around it. That's not behavior modification. That's not becoming a better person or growing more into your inner self. It's about a breakdown of everything within you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the goal and this is the outcome of spiritual formation. But here's the thing. You are never going to be forced into becoming a student. All right, no one is going to grab you by the hand and say, all right, it's time for all of us to become students of Jesus. Formation is a decision that you must make. So how does this work? It means learning the disciplines. It means growing in community groups when we start them. It means serving the least of these outside of the church. It means being challenged to think differently, spend differently, and do church differently than what we've ever seen before. But you are not going to be forced to do this. It's a choice that you have to make. Our vision or our picture for the future, you know, to create environments where the kingdom of God is visible and contagious. Ordinary church attenders, or what we referred to last week as religious consumers, cannot produce this. 
So unless spiritual formation is something that we take serious, this student-to-teacher relationship, learning a rhythm in life of practicing the spiritual disciplines, our vision, our mission are just words on a wall. It is impossible for us to manufacture movement through good deeds and charismatic personalities. There is no amount of a wow factor. There is no amount of money and finances and things that we could do to this building that is going to manufacture a Holy Spirit movement. It starts when people who have been in church their entire lives or people who are new to this whole experience make the decision and understand a reality that we must all understand I am broken and I am incomplete without the power of God. So what is it that will keep some of you from becoming students? What is it that will keep some of you from following Jesus in the way that we're talking about? Distraction. You know, five hours, six hours, seven hours of screen time a day. You know, that's something that's going to do it. Busyness, which is probably my biggest issue. Settling for the status quo which is where a lot of people are. If I, you know, that, I used to hear it called fire insurance. I think just enough Jesus to keep you out of hell, but not enough Jesus to keep the hell out of you. You know, kind of a, kind of a status quo, I'm going to stay where I am. Fear of commitment. Stubbornness and pride. I don't need that much church. I don't need that much Jesus. Idols in our lives that we build up and other fleeting offers. There, there's something that I want to read, uh, read for you. This, this is from a book called The Fear of Misliving. All right, whenever I read this, and I'm going to close, but whenever I read this, this really struck me as, as absolutely incredible. Uh, actually, the, the part's called The Fear of Misliving, but this is from a book called William, uh, Ir, William Irvine's A Guide to the Good Life. All right, A Guide to the Good Life. Listen at this. There is a danger, and it's a very real danger, that you will mislive. You ever heard that expression before? That you could mislive. That despite all your activity, despite all the pleasant, pleasant diversions you might have enjoyed while alive, that you will end up living a bad life. There is, in other words, a danger that when you are on your deathbed, you will look back and realize that you wasted your one chance at living. Instead of spending your life pursuing something genuinely valuable, you squandered it because you allowed yourself to be distracted by the various baubles life has to offer. Listen to this. The things that derail us seem to come out of nowhere. 
or they come with such a subtle descriptiveness that we don't think they will shape us in the long run. The call of Jesus is not just about morality or doctrine, religious performance or outreach. It's about living well. It's about learning to live a way in this world, a way that produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and the fruit of the kingdom as a preview of the life to come. You are not going to be forced to be a student. It's a choice that you have to make. But between learning the spiritual disciplines from this stage, the work that we will do in our community groups, how we will be serving our community in, in many different facets, all of the tools that you need will be found here. So, Music style, carpet color, Sunday school or small groups, time of worship service, day of worship service. We get really, really torn up about all of these things. And it distracts us from the only two words at the end of the day that matter. Follow me. Father, we come to you this morning. Father, praying that, uh, in understanding that we can't, we can't make ourselves um, spiritual. We can't grow ourselves. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We, we, can't, we can't do what is necessary. And because church as an institution has formed us in such a deep way, it is so easy to be distracted from what it means to be a student of Jesus, from what it means to be a disciple, from what it means to be formed into your ways. Our prayer, Father, and we still have three of these core values to go, Father, but our prayer is that we will make the choice to become students of Jesus. That we will invest ourselves fully in a daring and bold lifestyle that asks us, God, to, to leave everything else behind. Because what you have before us is what we were made for. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.